Before we jump into our conversation, I want to take a moment to dedicate this episode to my longtime and dear friend Joel, who passed away not long after this recording at the age of 41. Danica actually mentions him in this episode, although not by name, as Joel was a positive influence and another important role model in her life, as he was to countless others that he poured his life into. What does loving your neighbor actually look like? This is Journey with Care, where curious Canadians get inspired to love others well through real-life stories and honest conversations. All right, we are back for the second in our series. I have my adopted daughter Danica on with us. This is the second episode. The first episode we talked about your story growing up, what it was like, uh, your relationship with your parents, uh, how he struggled with PTSD, uh, some of the struggles you had in school and your parents divorcing and splitting up and how that's affected you. So I encourage listeners, if you haven't listened to that one, make sure you go back and listen to that. And I was definitely looking forward to this episode after hearing your story in that last episode. Okay, so we ended the last episode with a bit of a cliffhanger. You haven't met me yet. You were in Bible college. Yes, I was in Bible college. We left off kind of talking about the overall like feeling with Bible college, but I didn't meet you until the last month of Bible college, actually, that year. It's still your first year in Bible college. Yes. Yeah. My first and only year in Bible college. So interesting again, like this is where the sovereignty of God comes in, I think, in one of the coolest ways. So for some background, I went to youth conferences at this Bible college my whole time in high school, and I had befriended a student there. I was scrolling on Facebook one day and I saw her make a post and I was like, you know, what? we haven't talked in like a year or so. I texted her. We talked back and forth a bit and I found out she was coming to the Bible college like in a week with the prayer ministry she was a part of. And so I was so excited. It was beautiful because now it was like she was coming back to the Bible college as an alumni and I was now a student at the same conference I would attend. And so I thought that was just like beautiful enough. And of course, I was relieved to have someone coming that I knew liked me. What ended up happening is I didn't have a lot of responsibilities during the conference weekend because I was on the prayer team. So we like really only were needed in the evenings. And so I ended up spending a lot of time with this friend. And this is where Johan comes in. That's where I come in. Yeah. Um, you were with said friend as well. You guys kind of stayed as like a trio. Well, the ministry that we were part of went to that Bible college uh, many times. We did prayer rooms for some of the conferences, and then we've done some workshops as well on prayer and worship. Uh, so that was part of our regular routine, maybe going once or twice a year. Uh, so this happened to be what year? 2018. 2018. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is probably the last time I went there, actually. But I think so, yeah. I remember I went, I went to your workshop, actually. That's where we first started talking. As I went to your workshop, I don't remember what it was on. I don't know if I remember either. You had your guitar. Yeah. And it was then, on worship for sure. And then I would just taught myself guitar that year. And so I was like, hey, that's a nice guitar. Do you mind if I play it a little bit? And you're like, uh, yeah, just be careful. And so I played it a bit and then... Expensive guitar. So yeah, be careful. Yeah. I emphasize that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm playing it a little bit and then I give it back at that point. And then... We go back and forth. And at one point, you're like, if you want to go into the prayer room during one of our hours that we would be playing and want to sing a bit, you can. And I was like, what? 
I'm like, you haven't even heard me sing. And I played four chords. And so it really got my attention because I definitely felt like there was favoritism at my college for certain students who got leadership opportunities or it's just how I interpreted it. It also just kind of felt like anxiety and depression just always held me back. It's like, you would be really good at this once that's gone. And so I was at that point feeling defeated and like I'd never find a community that would see like potential and value in me and like want to steward that and disciple me in it before I got like miraculously healed or because it was like a Pentecostal circle. I was like before I could finally, you know, get rid of those demons that are pestering me all the time. Side note, I grew up Pentecostal. My dad is a Pentecostal pastor. So that's one of the things that I think we had that, you know, that connection with mm-hmm. both growing up Pentecostal from Saskatchewan. So there's that connection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did talk about that a bit too. And so like any traumatized person, you don't really have emotional boundaries. So like we talked a little bit more and there's an internship being offered at your prayer ministry. Yeah, that was one of the reasons for us going to the Bible college. They invited us, but they also invited us to promote our internship, which is basically like a DTS where young people would come into our program, which is training and equipping young people to worship in prayer and spend a season just really seeking out God for the life and going deep in the word and various aspects of the prayer room, learning how to pray in the prayer room as well. So uh, that was one of the reasons we came to the Bible college. We had a booth set up. I think we were giving away t-shirts. I think you might've got a t-shirt. I don't think I got a t-shirt. Oh, you didn't get a t-shirt. I think you guys were out of t-shirts at that point. Uh, Okay. You got candy. I got candy. Yeah. And I got to help hand out the cards you guys had. Even though I wasn't a part of it, that was that was wild. <laughs> that was interesting that you were helping us, not really a part of our team or anything. And yeah, like giving you that opportunity to lead worship or play guitar, even that's something that's always been on my heart, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why we're doing the internship is to uh, really see those gifts develop in young people and giving them that opportunity to find out what God's plan is for their life. So yeah, yeah. And so you know, I hung out with you guys for the weekend, and it was great. You did hang out with us. You joined us for meals. You kind of followed us around a little bit. I, I basically was just like your guys' shadow at that point. And you guys weren't annoyed by me. So I was like, wow, this is interesting. And so it wasn't you, but the other person that was there was like, you should come to Winnipeg and hang out with us for like a week or two and see what we do. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe like in a year or so, I'm going to try and do another year at Bible college. And I think it was like a week later, I ended up calling that person. And was like, hey, Winnipeg's on my way home from where I was going for a week after school ended. Although, like, at the end of that weekend that we were there, uh, you did come up to us and you were asking a lot of questions already. Yeah. Like, really interested in what it what it's about. And mm-hmm. it, it almost felt like you were on board already, like, signing up. Yeah, I was already on board. I was just like, well, I got to, you know, do another year at Bible college first, even though I really don't want to be here. And so... I actually ended up going and visiting Winnipeg two weeks after school ended, and I was there for two weeks. I think we were doing a conference at that point as well. And I also helped with that conference. That was interesting as well. This random girl that we met at a Bible college has never been here before, and she's helping at our conference. Yeah, actually. It, it seems to be like something I just do. I ended up having a really good conversation with one of the other staff members um, at the prayer ministry at the end of my trip, and they... um pretty much convinced me that I could just come and do the internship. And I was like, wow, 
okay, I felt wanted, I felt appreciated, and I felt like people finally saw that there was something in me of value, even though like at that point I viewed myself as broken and like always like a burden to people and just all these different things. And my dad is a nice relationship, but like again, it was bad at that point. Like he was he was really deteriorated at that point. And I was getting really into Jesus and that was just we were butting heads. Did you tell him about you going to Winnipeg? I actually didn't. I didn't I didn't tell him. And so I took the Greyhound bus home from Winnipeg. And when my mom picked me up 17 and a half hours later, the first thing I said to her is like, I'm gonna move to Winnipeg in September. And then she's like, no, you're not. And I was like, excuse me? Because I'm thinking it's like this 18 going on 19 year old, like, you can't tell me what to do anymore. But she was like, I needed to get a jaw surgery just because of how I was born. And so she's like, you're on the waiting list. Like, That was a big thing for you, your jaw. Yeah. Let's do a little bit of a sidebar there. Like, what kind of pain were you dealing with at that point? And was that discouraging for you? And It was really discouraging for me. Because there was like, an emphasis on a lot of healing at the Bible college, and you didn't really experience that, right? No, but people prayed for my jaw all the time. They're like, you don't need surgery. And I'm like, I do. I do. <laughs> like Surgery is okay. And so... I wasn't discouraged at that point. I was like fine with surgery. I was just afraid that I wasn't going to wake up. So yeah, I had my top and bottom jaw broken at the same time. And then for cosmetic reasons, my nose was slightly reduced and I have a chin implant as well. And I did it all at once because I wanted to move to Winnipeg. So it was like four different surgeries at the same time. It was very painful. And I also like needed to be home for another year in small town, Saskatchewan, the place I didn't want to be. And so... That was like probably one of the hardest years of my life. The way to describe the pain is like, it wasn't like sharp, but it's like a dull ache 24-7. I think the hardest part was watching my face change. Because like, I'd known one face my whole life. And then my voice changed a bit. And my nose was different. My chin was different. And it took a year and a bit for the swelling to completely come down. The weird thing is like, I didn't recognize myself in the mirror for like a good month. So let's just, let's clarify that timeline. You're a Bible college. I come there with our team and you basically say you want to come to Winnipeg. Two weeks later, you go to our conference in Winnipeg. Uh, you're helping out. Felt like you're already part of the team, all in already. Yep. Again, at the conference, you're asking a lot of questions. Yeah. And then you head back home for the surgery right away. Yeah. And then my anxiety and depression got really bad. Just having another year at home. It was more the small town, being back there for a year. I was very happy when my surgeon cleared me because I was home for a, a full like from September until August of 2019. How do you feel going back home for a year? I felt discouraged. And it's hard to say because it's like, I do love my mom and my sister. And I didn't want to be in that small town. I was really hurt by my church members. And it's really discouraging to go back to that. You know, being back in the small town, Again, that's the cycle with my dad, like, picked up again, in and out, in and out. It was really hard to even connect with Jesus for, like, six months after the surgery because of the pain and the fuzziness from all the pain medication I had to be on. And so I also took a really big hit in my relationship with him. I went six months with barely hearing his voice, and I hadn't ever done that since I'd known him at 14. So, All right, so you're working as an EA, 
earning some money to hopefully move to Winnipeg. That was kind of in the plans. And mm -hmm. was your mom still saying, no, you're not moving to Winnipeg? Oh, or no. was this? <laughs> Once I got like the job surgery, she was fine. She's like, go do what you want. And I decided I was moving to Winnipeg and staying in Winnipeg before I got to Winnipeg. It wasn't just like, a, I'm coming for the internship and then I'll like figure it out. I was like, I'm coming for the internship and then I'm going to figure out how I'm going to live in Winnipeg. Hmm. And so I don't drive independently. So I got on a train and did a 17 and a half hour train ride to move to Winnipeg. So I think because you were the director, you were the one that picked me up from the train station at like 1230 in the morning. Yeah, that was pretty late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you picked me up at like 1230 in the morning and then dropped me off where I was going to be staying for a month before I went to the other place I was going to be staying. It was a big culture shock for me actually moving back to the city. What was that like? I was too afraid to walk down the street by myself. And so it was actually in Winnipeg, like just a transition. So I went into the internship, had a great time. We ended up having a class with you called the Father's Heart, which was my most difficult class because I don't like connecting with God that way. That's where it started for me that you and I started talking a lot more about my dad. And it's interesting because that's the first time I taught a Father's Heart course and I kind of put that together and you were one of two interns that took that course. So what was that like? You saw that on the schedule. What was happening on the inside when you saw Father's Heart on the schedule? I wasn't looking forward to it, but at the same time, I was like, maybe this is what it's going to take to finally connect with God as a father, because I did want that. But at that point, I was still initially accepting trauma and different things happening. And it was it was the internship and conversations with like you and your wife or um, some of the other staff members helping me to really realize that a lot of the things I experienced were normal, even though they had been my everyday for years. You and one other specific staff member in the internship really helped me see that it was okay for adult men to speak into my life and it actually was appropriate with boundaries and really took the time to not just leave conversations that I've had with the Lord at really difficult points about my past or about my dad. Between you two, you guys really helped me to process it and made space for me to grieve what was going on and like really came alongside and interceding and praying with me. And so I think that was my favorite part of the internship. I was in a community where I felt safe and could start letting my guard down and letting people in. I'd also been a youth leader at my church. And so you have three kids. Yeah. And at the time they were not connected to a youth group. And so I was like determined to like get to know them and let them have like a, a young adult in their life that loved Jesus and like could hang out with them. And I remember like you and I also talking about how to make that work. So you were like, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that was something we needed in our family. And I guess we'll get into this more in the next episode. But mm -hmm. I just being in a prayer ministry, it's not your typical Sunday morning church. So there was there was no youth group. Uh, they were, in fact, some of the only youth in our community. So they didn't have that youth leader to look up to, that young adult, which many young people need. They need those mentors and those people to look up to mm -hmm. in their lives. So I was excited to have you come alongside them and just show them that there are young people that are going hard after Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I think because it was your oldest son was the one that came the most. And so I think that's where it kind of started with the kids. It's like I got to know him and then your other two were like, okay, 
Yeah, you're cool. A little weird. <laughs> We're still a little weird. Oh, always going to be weird. But you're kind of weird too, so. Yeah, it worked out. It worked out. It's it's funny now, like looking back, sometimes there's some mannerisms I have that like are very similar to your guys' family. We're getting into episode three already. Yeah, but, but it's um <laughs> sneak peek. Yeah, the internship, like there was highs and there was many lows, yeah. of course, but I needed that time sitting with Jesus and learning how to do that. And then um, I've always been really passionate about music, as we had discussed last episode, but my dad is not musical, cannot sing to save his life. So I was really discouraged in, as a kid in that area. I got to like be on a worship team for the first time. And I was being encouraged to actually like take the time to learn to sing and that like I had a good voice and stuff. And that was coming from like you. And like it was again, like one of someone like pushing me and helping me because you play guitar and we were able to talk about guitar. And I would play with you at the 6.30 a.m. prayer meetings and I think it was just that discipleship and that championship that really helped me to see that what I'd learned in my church before where it's like avoid men at all costs because like as a woman like you're gonna be to be blunt like you're gonna lead them to sin is pretty much what I had had communicated and here I was learning that there are healthy boundaries that can be put in place to still get that benefit of having that discipleship and that leadership in your life and so that was really important four specifically when we get into episode three because i was very resistant at first and as a leader of an internship bringing in young people i even recognize it more now how important some of those boundaries are in in bringing young people into your program especially as a male leader you want to have those things in place so that you can feel safe because if you don't feel safe you're not you're not going to be able to get that internal change that we mm -hmm are setting up the internship for. Like we want yeah. you to encounter the Lord and we want you to encounter uh, the father heart. And you can't mm -hmm. do that if you don't feel safe. Yeah. And it's like, even like in our conversations, just so the listeners know, when we did talk about my dad and stuff with you, it would only go to a certain depth before I'd either be talking to your wife or like I had another, I had some woman in my life too from the prayer ministry that I went a lot deeper with. Like, it was more so we talk about verses and stuff. Like, what is a dad? That's more so what I would talk about with you. Um, but the other woman in the, in the prayer ministry is when I would really open up about my heart and how I'd been wounded and stuff and different things that you really only want to talk to with women anyway. So, All right. So there, again, some highs and lows of the internship, but ultimately you still wanted to stay in Winnipeg mm -hmm. and you found a way to turn yourself into a Winnipegger. Mm-hmm. You stayed in the house that you were already staying in. Yep. So what was it like finishing the internship and then kind of for the first time really being on your own as an adult in Winnipeg? So I kind of feel like I I grew up really fast. So I kind of skipped that adolescent teenage years where you're like, I'm not going to unload the dishwasher. No, like I learned how to take care of myself, the importance of needing to feed myself and stuff just because of the circumstances. And so... That wasn't hard. What was hard was the job I ended up getting was very high pressure and very difficult. And learning to live with roommates was very stressful because it was it was like a community house and they wanted to get to know me. And I was like, okay, well. You think some of your past experiences uh, put up some walls there for you wanting to develop stronger relationships even with your roommates? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Because, like, I viewed myself as, like, wrong and the problem and being bad. That was, like, a core belief for me. So it's really hard to make and maintain 
relationships when you believe that about yourself. Because if you get into like a conflict or things like that, and then like when you're hypervigilant, like I was, it's not a good mix. And so I'm really thankful for my roommates because they did. There were times they corrected me and other times that we just all had fun and they really loved me during that process. Because like I did fall apart with my mental health after the internship. But I think it's just because I had been out of my living situation before long enough that I didn't have to be all together. And so it just sort of fell apart all at once. And I think if I remember, it's because you no longer had those requirements in front of you. I just remember you really struggling with everything, not having those routines. Yeah, I didn't have the routines. You had given us a book at the end of the internship called Bible 360, highly recommend. And so I decided, I think, I never read through the Bible cover to cover. And so I did that. And I did get through the whole thing. So on the horizon, on the a horizon, few months away, we had COVID coming. The world shut down and I absolutely panicked. That was one thing my dad would always say to me, specifically when he was drunk. He's like, the world will never stop spinning. Nothing will ever have everything just shut down. And then it happened. And I was like, whoa. This is something I didn't want to not be alive from dad. <laughs> yeah, I ended up becoming super, I'm going to be honest, like for most people, I think COVID was like, there was hard stuff in COVID for me, but I got a three month break from my job. And so I just spent time with God in the basement of where I was living with my best friend who I was living with for three months. So I really enjoyed the first wave and the first cycle. After that, it got hard. And I mean, the restrictions got worse, uh, isolation to come, and that starts to take a big toll on your mental health. Can you tell me what that looked like during that time? Well, it looked like having to call the crisis line in Winnipeg. I'm really happy we have that. It wasn't because I was like, I wasn't active crisis. Did I tell them that? No, because I did not want to have to go to the psych ward and have to explain to my roommates why. But it was just to ask, like, how do you get antidepressants and get some therapy resources and stuff like that. And that woman, her name was Anne Godsend. She was really kind and she was on the phone with me for like 45 minutes. And it was the next day I went to a doctor and it did not take a long in the conversation for them to be like, yeah, you should have been on these years ago. And just having to face that stigma too of being like a Christian and needing antidepressants. But they helped me again, connect with Jesus. And yeah, so... I started going for walks with my husband during COVID. Wasn't your husband yet? He wasn't my husband yet, but we started going for walks uh, the first summer. And then for the fall of the first fall with COVID, we kind of like weren't talking as much, but it's also the restrictions got really, yeah, really hardcore at that point. And then in the winter was when, I don't know, are we in the third or the fourth wave at that point? I don't even remember. But they did allow at some point when they started allowing one visitor at your house per week or something like mm -hmm. that. Our children were struggling throughout COVID, mm -hmm. as many teenagers were and young people. Yeah. Especially our daughter, that she couldn't connect with people anymore and her friends. And and I knew that you were you kind of went through a lot of the same things. So yeah. So I reached out to you even to connect with her and say, Hey, yeah. she's going through a tough time. Uh she probably needs someone to talk to that she can relate to mm -hmm. has gone through some of these things as well yeah and I think I also you reached out to me and then I I think at the same time also kind of offered because like I'd, I'd heard through like zoom prayer meetings that that wasn't going well and I was like hey I get this 
I understand this. This was me. I really didn't want her to have to navigate that by herself because like you can't when you're a teenager. You need someone to be able to come alongside and have someone that isn't your parents to talk to. And so it took a while for her to open up to me. It's going back. I think they allowed one visitor per week, like you said. Uh, So so we decided you're a one visitor. You can come to dinner to our place and then hang out with our daughter and our family. Mm -hmm. Play board games. So we just... Play board games, yeah. Yeah, I came over like every other week at first. And then this is like around the same time that I was also really starting to get to know my husband more than just being a friend. And so it was just, again, sovereignty of God. I'm starting to open up to my now husband. And I was starting my healing journey. I'm still in it. Like, didn't happen overnight of like anxiety and depression. Well, like I'm coming into your guys' home And because I was, I've lived with it for so long, I was able to really not so much speak into her at that point, but I think just exemplify someone who loved Jesus and was also struggled with feeling anxious Mm. and stuff. And I think that really helped her in a way with just watching that, you know, laughing and having games and like just the intentionality I had with all three of them, just to make sure that they you know, they had someone that they could laugh with. And I think at one point, like, it was like, if I came over, it was like a completely different dynamic than it was if I wasn't there. So then I started coming over like every week. So what was it like you coming into our house every week? Was that something you looked forward to? And when you were here, what was it like? It was the highlight of of my week. I was actually quite surprised when you guys wanted me in your bubble. I was not expecting anybody to be like, do you want to be in our bubble? And I was like, wow, I can leave the house. It was great. I got to know your wife and really open up and trust her and be able to talk to her about some stuff. And she also has had some experiences that she's been able to really pour into me and be able to relate to me in certain areas. And then I loved hanging out with your kids. Like, they were like some of the funniest people I know. And, oh man, when the four of us are playing a board game just ourselves, like the roasts and we will get vicious to each other because there's no parent there to like be like, hey, okay, guys tone it down but it was really fun just getting to play board games you guys also had a gecko at that point and i got to hang out with the gecko so like that was great is now my gecko and you guys jokingly started using language you're like a big sister yeah and we were using that familial language already at that point yeah you would house it for us and our dogs sometimes and Mm -hmm. it felt like you were one of us Mm mm-hmm but it wasn't at that point where we officially started calling mm-hmm. you our daughter and part of our family. But yeah. like the language is already starting to come there. Like it was a natural like transition, I think. Yeah. And it is like I just I fit in really well with your guys' family and family dynamic. And when I did start dating my husband, you're like, well, bring him along. And so I think that was one of the really big things that impacted me the most is during that time, just to backtrack a bit now that I remember, this is an important thing, but. My dad had come back into my life that summer. How did that happen? You know, the normal thing where it's like, oh, let's give this another shot. I'm going to call my dad. But it went really well. And so he had been taking steps to take care of himself and was changing and honestly was starting to sound like my dad when I was a kid. And so I really let my guard down and opened up to him. And at one point, he even apologized for not being a part of my life and that he wanted to continue to get to know me and be a part of my life and so he had plans to move to Winnipeg that August and with me starting I started dating my now husband and 
at the same time, my dad went into another decline. What did your dad think about you dating someone? He was not excited. There was some very, very mean things said. He did do a video call once to meet him. And then I asked him what he thought. And he's like, oh, he's nice and stuff. And I'm like any girl when you get into a relationship. Like, you're like cloud nine. And so my dad just was really uncomfortable with that. And so I was excited and been like, yay, my dad's going to be a part of something in my life that's going to be life changing and really important. Because like, I just, I knew at that point that my husband and I, when we were dating, we, were, we would get married. Like it's, we just fit too well together. And so my dad just randomly stopped talking to me and that hurt more than the first time he drove away. Because there was hope. Yeah. And so I didn't hear from him that he wasn't moving to Winnipeg. And I had to ask my mom after the time had passed. And that was a hard conversation to have. And so at that point, we were going to your house regularly disc golfing, having dinner, hanging out with the kids, playing board games, having conversations about God and stuff like that. Like it felt like my dad was going to be a part of this important phase of my life. But because you talked about moving to Winnipeg even, right? Yeah, Yeah. he did. And then he wasn't. And at around that same time, like it was the exact same time, just very, I'm going to say supernaturally, that transition was starting where I was becoming more family more like your daughter and so you and your wife were involved in the entire relationship with my husband from us starting to date us getting married and yeah and I think it was in that at one point when was it I think okay you finally got engaged yeah we got engaged and uh at that point your dad was already had declined quite a bit that was the last time I talked to my dad was actually on the day we got engaged I texted him I have never had someone call so fast after texting them, and I didn't hear from him after that. He was not happy that I was engaged. That was a tough moment for you, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It's not how you imagined getting engaged. Yeah, no. Like, you don't want your dad to be like, oh, wow, this is shocking. And I'm like, well, yeah. It was a hard conversation, but I was at the point, like, hanging out with your family, I think, I was getting the strength and the healing I needed to be able to to hang up and actually hang up and finally be like, no, I'm closing the door. I can't do this anymore. I know when I heard about that conversation, my heart broke mm-hmm. as well for you. Like, I don't know experientially, but I know that how important it is for a daughter to have a father mm-hmm. and to have, have that acceptance and that excitement over the daughter getting married and even on that wedding day. Mm-hmm. being able to walk the daughter up the aisle. It's a privilege fathers look forward to yeah. and dread at the same time. But well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's something daughters look forward to, especially mm-hmm. is oh. having their father walk up the aisle. Yeah, I, with my dad coming back into my life, and then I remember going to my best friend at the time after one phone call, and I was like, I think my dad is actually going to be able to walk me down the aisle. And when my dad didn't take the engagement well, it was just... I I lost it again. I I'd been like, wow, okay. It's like, what am I gonna do? Because I don't know. And I didn't I just really didn't want my mom to walk me down the aisle. Not because I don't love her, but because like the wedding was really hard for me. Um I was excited to get married. But when you've had so much loss and there's so many important people in your life that you grew up with from like a long time and then they just all abandoned you and then 
you turn around and you look at your guest list and there's a lot of people that you wanted to be there since you were a kid and they're not. And so the planning of the wedding was really stressful and really hard for me because it wasn't just like, it wasn't just managing like planning a wedding. It was managing planning a wedding and grieving at the same time. I think after hearing about that conversation, I had already settled it in my heart that you're going to have a father figure walk up the aisle with you and I will step in if I needed to. I wasn't going to say that right off the hop because mm -hmm. you're so fresh, Yeah, obviously, uh, but just waiting for that right time. It was actually really funny how it happened. It was like in typical, like, it's so you, I don't know, we were at like a worship night and I think you were eating a cracker and hummus and you jokingly was like, oh, I can wipe it down the aisle, but like, and like, but half just joking, half joking, of course. And then that's, and I was like, um, actually I'd be okay with that. And you're like, and then it became a serious conversation. I think he was jokingly to test the waters because yeah. that is a very serious topic. It is a very serious topic. And so. And obviously I, I think I said at that point, okay, for actually considering this, like, obviously I want to talk to my daughter first to make mm -hmm. sure she's okay with uh, you being the first daughter mm -hmm. I walk up the aisle with. So there's. That conversation, of course, she was excited about that too because you became her big sister at that point. Yeah, and that was like I think one of the first times I'd heard her say it in a way that was just so natural. Mm. And so it was a really good moment. And I spent like a week thinking about it. I had to settle some stuff in my heart. Like I knew I was going to say yes. It was just I needed to yeah think it through. And I think I was really happy because I told my wedding photographer like I really want a photo of being walked down the aisle like that is super important to me and she caught a really good one and it's just really nice to have that because it's something that like I didn't think I'd ever have and was again in my grasp and it felt like it wasn't there and it was just like it was just so supernatural how I started to flow into your family and how like the Lord just kind of fit me in there like a puzzle piece at the same time that I had to accept that my dad wasn't going to be in my life anymore and I had to stop the cycle myself and make the call that I didn't want him to be in my life anymore, which was the hardest decision I've made, but has also been the best decision I've made for myself since, because I was able to finally heal. That father wound is actually finally being healed and being closed because I don't have him anymore inflicting fresh hurt. It's still a process for sure. It's still a process. Like I miss him. Like there's certain times of the year that like they're great, but it's still like you miss that. And it's that challenge like, I grew up with him. It wasn't just like I was really little when it happened. And so, and even if when you're little, it's hard. It's so complicated to like talk about like what it's like with fatherlessness if you haven't experienced it, but it really does feel like a piece of you is gone. And I'm sure we'll get into it the next episode, but like I never tried to replace your dad mm -hmm. and I never would try to do that, presume to do that. Uh, those early memories I think are so important. Mm -hmm. The good memories that you've had of, of yeah. your father. But just to have that father figure, that heart, that's what I wanted to give you. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into what it's like having yeah. you in our family these days as an adult adopted daughter. And I think that moment walking you down the aisle is kind of when we officially made it official. Yeah. Where you became our daughter. Yeah. Where you became our kid's big sister. Yeah. We had two of them in the wedding party and then yeah. we had the oldest as our DJ. And so it was just like the Lord really placed you in your family the time that I needed it the most. And, you know, for someone that was praying to have, like, there was times I just was begging God for my dad. And I was like, or can you, like, give me a father figure? Like, something. Like, I can't do this. And 
it was like eight years of prayer before I started to even see that fruit. That is why I would tell my 18-year-old self that it's going to be okay and not to change a thing because of the supernatural ways that things happened and when they happened and how they happened. And it's like everything that happened before, it needed to happen and I wouldn't change a thing. So it's the lonely in families. I think we're going to wrap it up there because yeah. uh, next episode, we're going to talk about navigating the dynamics of having an adult, an adopted daughter join a family, mm -hmm. what it's like for you, what it's like for us, some of the challenges and some of the amazing things about it mm -hmm. and just what a blessing it is. So until next week. Yeah. Thank you for joining another conversation on Journey with Care where we inspire curious Canadians on their path of faith and living life with purpose in community. Journey with Care is an initiative of Care Impact, a Canadian charity dedicated to connecting and equipping the whole church to journey well in community. You can visit their website at careimpact.ca or visit journeywithcare.ca to get more information on weekly episodes, Journey with Prayer, and details about our upcoming events and meetups. You can also leave us a message, share your thoughts, and connect with like-minded individuals who are on their own journeys of faith and purpose. Thank you for sharing this podcast and helping these stories reach the community. Together we can explore ways to journey in a good way. And always remember to stay curious.